Psalms, chapter 37, and uh, a doctor, the doctor's orders, a spiritual prescription, and uh, let's see that here. Are you too warm or too cool in here tonight? You're too hot? Okay. Uh, Brother Andrew, if you can just, Andrew, Brother Andrew, if you can just look at it real quick, see what it's set on, maybe knock it down a degree. And uh, that'll that'll help uh, Mr. Shant quit whining. And uh, so, <coughs> Psalms chapter 37. Uh, of course, this is our uh, third week, and we may finish tonight. I'm not sure. If not, we'll continue into next week, or we'll uh, finish tonight, and we'll have something else for next week. But um, the uh, of course, there are several different uh, in Psalms chapter 37. The first. Uh, prescription uh, that the doctor ordered was to, as it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Fret not thyself. Of course, fret there means to to worry, uh, to have your heart burn inside. Uh, and what is it specifically talking about, not fretting about, and that is uh, don't envy those who are living a life uh, of sin or wickedness and look on that life and say, boy, what am I missing out on? Uh, I talked about the young man that I grew up uh, with in school and how <coughs> they had encouraged me to, to go with them and do some things that were not, would not have been pleasing to the Lord and uh, how his life ended up at that time looking to me like something that I wanted. Uh, and a few years later when he ended up in prison, I realized that I had made the right decision and followed the Lord. So many times we'll look around and we'll see someone living a life of sin and it'll look, sin often looks, uh, the devil makes it look fun. Uh, he doesn't make it look, he doesn't show you the end results. Uh, otherwise we wouldn't want any part of it. Uh, but he says here not to fret uh, thyself or, or envy those who are living that type of a life. Don't spend your time worried about uh, the life I could have had had I not followed after Christ. And then the second prescription we come to is uh, the prescription of, uh, and there we have, uh, let's see, move on to Psalm 37.3, Brother Jim. Trust in the Lord is the second, the second prescription, and the verse there, of course, trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Trust, also, Psalm 37, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. So how do you fret not? You fret not by trusting in the Lord and putting your trust in him. You might fret about things like your finances or your health or relationships. And how do you keep from fretting about those type of things? Well, you do it by tr putting your trust in the Lord. And uh, that was our second uh, prescription. We come over to the third prescription, and uh, that is delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Psalm 37 and verse 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Make God the joy and rejoicing of your spirit. Uh, it's uh, what is it that you, what, what should you delight in? There's some things you should delight in. You should delight our desire should be to know, to love, and to serve God. Uh, to know, to love, and serve God. God put us here on earth uh, to worship him, to serve him, to tell others about him. 
uh, we're starting a uh, 18 soul winning program uh, in the uh, the youth department and uh, encouraging uh, this past week we talked about uh, what your personal testimony is uh, when did you uh, come to the point where you trusted Christ as your savior and in every situation uh, almost well just about every situation someone had to tell you about uh, the tell you how you can know for sure you go to heaven Someone had to point you down the road and explain uh, God's plan of salvation to you. And uh, it's up to us now. One reason we're here on earth is to go and take that and share it with others. And uh, it's just a great opportunity. God says that's what he wants us to do. And often we find ourselves constantly trying to find joy or pleasure in other things other than the one thing that we can find true joy in, and that's in Christ. Uh, I put down this is one thing I did not cover uh, last week when I was going over this this point, uh, and that is often we'll come to the point where we feel like we're we have discon we're discon we have discontentment in our life. I wrote down uh, last week and I didn't I didn't get to them four signs of discontentment, and I'll just briefly give them to you. And uh, the first sign of discontentment is envy, the inability to rejoice over someone else's success. Uh, you know, that, uh, that, that envy that you get when you see your friend get a brand new house and uh, you see their beautiful home and instead of saying, man, that's awesome, uh, you sit there and think, man, he didn't deserve that. Why can't I have that kind of a house? Uh, and the envy begins to sneak in. Or uh, why did they get uh, that promotion and not me? And the envy begins to, to seep in. Instead of being joyful and rejoicing uh, with the success of others, uh, instead, we, f we find it hard to do that. Uh, number two is uncontrolled ambition. The desire to win at all costs, no matter who you have to hurt to do it. And uh, that's when you can feel or know that discontentment maybe has crept in. Number three, the third sign of discontentment is a critical spirit. Uh, a critical spirit, always looking for the negative in everything you see. Instead of saying, boy, I love that Sid is here tonight. Instead you say, boy, I wish Sid wouldn't sing, sing so loud. Then everybody can't hear how good I'm singing. And uh, we were making fun of Sid, how loud he was singing earlier tonight if he weren't here yet. But uh, <coughs> he, he is a great singer. If you ever heard him play his guitar, and I went to the, the prison with him, and he sang a song called Nail It to the Cross. If you've never had it, uh, heard him sing it, he'll play it for you out in the lobby tonight. I'm sure he has his guitar with him. But uh, you always look for the negative. Uh, boy, boy, this is uh, at, at men's prayer breakfast. Boy, all these, these cinnamon rolls are good, but man, I wish I had uh, some apple juice to go with it instead of orange juice. Uh, always looking for the, the, the negative. That's a that's a, a ploy for apple juice. I'm just kidding. I like orange juice. Um, but uh, always looking for the negative. Never being able to find something that's uh, that you're rejoicing about. Always having to have a a hurtful remark. Uh, always saying, uh, "Boy, that's a boy, Pastor. That was a great sermon, but man, you were a little long today." Uh, that type of thing. By the way, I don't have a watch up here or a clock, uh, so somebody's gonna have to help me know when it's about five till. Uh, otherwise, I'll be still going at 9 o'clock tonight, and the room will be empty, but I'll still be going. Um, so uh, my wife never likes to tell me to shut it down, 
But Jim is more than happy to, okay? <laughs> what time is it, by the way, Jim? <laughs> I knew somebody was going to say that. It's five till. Remember the Thompson? Yeah, shut it down. Um, but uh, then the 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 last um, the fourth thing to know that you have a a uh, a discontent discontentment could be if you have a complaining spirit uh, and always complaining, blaming others or bad circumstances for the problems that you're dealing with, never taking responsibility. And uh, those are discontentment. How does that sink into our life? It's, it, it seeps into our life when we don't delight ourselves in the Lord. We don't realize that our desire should be to know, to love, and to serve God. And uh, everything that we have given to us is a blessing. The fact that we have an eternal home in heaven and don't have to spend eternity in hell uh, alone, that alone right there is something we're not deserving of. And uh, then lastly, delight thyself also in the Lord. And then today, we're going to get into the next point. And let's see if you can have that up there, Jim. Delight thyself. And the fourth uh, ingredient, the fourth uh, prescription, is commit thy way unto the Lord. Psalm 37, 5, verse 5 there in Psalms 37. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Another verse, Proverbs 16, 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and, they, though, and thy thoughts shall be established. What's commit mean? Basically, commit here means to leave it all with God, to give it all to him, uh, to take all the burdens of your life and just give it over to him. Commit thy ways. Submit all your ways and all your desires to him. Uh, I've been reading a book. Uh, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Uh, and it's about, uh, it's, the, it's the only memoir from Pearl Harbor. And it was written by Donald Stratton. I finally finished it last night. And uh, the entire book was just fascinating. But last night when I was reading it uh, and the night before, I didn't realize uh, that there was more to the story than just the fact that he went through Pearl Harbor. But uh, if you weren't here when I mentioned it in a Sunday morning sermon recently, uh, I'll tell you just a little bit about him and then tell you how the story ends. Uh, at 8.06 on December 7th, Seaman First Class Donald Stratton was consumed by an inferno. A million pounds of explosives had detonated beneath his battle station aboard the USS Arizona. Barely 15 minutes in Jap into Japan's surprise attack on American forces at Pearl Harbor. Near death and burned across two-thirds of his body, he summoned the will to haul himself hand over hand across a rope tethered to a neighboring vessel. Forty-five feet below, the harbor's flaming oil-slick water boiled with enemy bullets. Don and four other sailors made it safely across that same line that morning a small miracle on a day that claimed the lives of 1,177 of their Arizona shipmates. Approximately half the American fatalities at Pearl Harbor. Sent to military hospitals for a year, Don refused doctors' orders and advice to amputate his limbs and battled to relearn how to walk. The U.S. Navy gave him a medical discharge, believing he would never again be fit for service. But Don had unfinished business. In June of 1944, 
he sailed back into the teeth of the Pacific War on a destroyer destined for combat in the crucial battles of Laity Gulf and Okinawa. I was reading last night this story. He, after he went through a year of, of being in medical hospitals, military hospitals, he went back home for a year and uh, was, of course, discharged from the military. And for that entire year, he kept thinking to himself, what about the men that made it and are still out there, my shipmates? And I want to get back into, I want to get back into the fight. So he went to a, a recruiting station, and they would not let him get back into the military. They said he was unfit just by looking at him and seeing the burns all across his body and hearing his, his background. He went day after day back to that same recruiting station saying, you have to let me get back into the fight. Finally, one of the men there told him, we'll let you get back in, but you're going to have to go back through basic training and do everything that every other uh, Navy man has to do to be able to get into the, into the military. So he went back into basic training. And, of course, anytime he stretched any part of his body, the scars from his burns would just be excruciating pain. The book goes into great detail about the pain and suffering that he went through as he went through uh, basic training. But then he got on, uh, they offered him a job to stay just as a, a instructor there, but he didn't want to. He wanted to go back into the fight. He got on a destroyer called the Destroyer. The name of the destroyer was the Stark. And on the way to the Battle of Okinawa, the Stark had to stop at, the, uh, at Pearl Harbor for some servicing to be done on it. And he was, <coughs> Donald Stratton was on the Stark, and as they pulled into the harbor, he had not been back to the harbor since the day he had been taken out on a, uh, a hospital military ship. As he pulled into the harbor, he noticed that all the ships that were there in the harbor had all lined up, uh, just one next to, the, to each other. And all of the sailors were on board on top deck on all those ships as their ship began to pull into the harbor. All of a sudden, over the loudspeaker, they was told for everyone on their ship to come to the top deck. And they came to the top deck, and a high-ranking officer over the loudspeaker began to tell the story of Don Stratton and they brought him to the front and awarded him with a Purple Heart. And he said he remembers floating over top, er, floating right nearby where the Arizona lays there in the harbor. And at that point, he said he realized all the pain and suffering he had gone through was worth it all. What did he do? He committed and was willing to commit himself to the military. He was willing to commit himself to the United States of America to the for the battle to keep us free. And it's an amazing story of one man's desire to commit himself to the cause. So many times we, we have a problem or we face something in our life and we say, boy, I just, I'm going to hold on to this one area and I will not commit it. I won't turn it over to him. You know, God, I'll, I'll do anything you want. I'll, uh, I'll come to church on Sunday morning. I'll come even Sunday night or Thursday night. But I, I can't, I just, I refuse, I will not give out a gospel track. Commit. 
tonight to say, you know, what? I'm going to commit that part of my life and say, I'm going to spread the gospel. And <clears throat> commit thyself. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Allow God to guide and direct you. Here in this verse, it's basically, it's the same illustration as a plowman. Uh, he might, uh, he'll take his, I remember growing up uh, in Michigan, uh, right across the street from us was a cornfield. And on the side of us was a cornfield. And behind us was a cornfield. And there were four dairy farms around. And all around us was the smell of a dairy farm. And I remember every year they would, uh, the farmers would go out and they'd get their, their giant planters and their John Deere tractors and they would till that ground. And they would work at it. They'd be up early. They'd be using their lights at night as they were plowing all those acres and acres and acres of fields. And then uh, they would disc the land. And then they would go over it with that planter and they would plant their crops. Often behind the planter, they'd be pulling three or four different uh, rigs. One of them would maybe be a fertilizer and be spraying the, spraying the seeds as it went by. But after that was all done, <coughs> you wouldn't see the farmer again all summer long. He would never be out there walking up and down the cornfield rows. He wouldn't be out there with a little pitcher trying to water his, we didn't have irrigation in Michigan. Uh, we just, irrigation came from the Lord. But uh, those farmers, what did that plowman do? He would work, he would give it all, and then he would just trust that God would provide the harvest. That's what God wants you and I to do. He wants us to work and do our best, and then wants us just to give it all to him, and then he'll provide the increase. Whatever it is, whatever area in your life, just commit it to him. What that brings us to the next prescription. Rest in the Lord. Psalm 37 and verse 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself. There's that fret not again. Because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. That second part of that verse there rest in the lord and wait patiently for him to god time is nothing uh it has no beginning and no end often we realize that our timing isn't what god's timing is and what god is wanting us to do is just realize that he's worth waiting for no matter what the situation you're facing you might have a different time frame but god is always worth waiting for Rest here literally means to be silent or to let the Lord take control. I was, uh, when I was growing up in Michigan, we lived out in the country, as I mentioned, and uh, I had three older sisters and no brothers. I was the youngest, and uh, yes, they, they picked on me terribly. And, um, but I had these three older sisters. They were, they were just mean. But I remember one night we were at home, and my parents were away. They were, uh, were going to be out late. And we lived out in the country. Behind our house was this abandoned property. They had started building a house and had ran out of money. And the property had been abandoned. And it had this uh, creek that ran behind it and a, a road that came back there. And a lot of times, cars and people would go back there and they'd party. 
And, uh, and we were always told, never, never go past the tree line. Don't ever go back to where that abandoned house is at. And I remember at the time, I was only, I don't know, five or six years old. And uh, it was just my sisters at home and myself. And it was late at night. And I remember my sisters all getting all worried and, and upset. And uh, we went to the back window, and there were three or four police cars. And uh, it was pitch black. And they were just shining their spotlight back and forth across the field, shining it over by our house and our back windows and shining it all across the cornfield across the street from us. And, uh, of course, we all began to think, uh, what's going on? There's somebody's on the loose with a knife. I mean, we were, we were panicking. And I remember my sisters just, my oldest sister said, don't worry about it. I'm sure it's nothing. Yeah, you're right. No, no big deal. Four police cars back there shining spotlights around. It's nothing. And, uh, but I remember laying down that night in my bed and just sitting there wondering, is he going to, is this guy going to jump in my window? I mean, is something going to come through the window at any moment? And I could not rest. Why couldn't I rest? Because my dad wasn't at home. I remember kept thinking, I can't wait till my dad gets home. And finally that night, late into the night, I heard the car pull in the driveway and the garage door open and shut. And I heard my dad and mom's voice in the house. And then I realized, dad's home. Dad's in, dad's in my house. So everything's going to be fine. And I remember immediately I fell asleep. That's how it is in our life. So many times we can't rest because we don't allow ourselves to just give the burden over to God. We don't realize that God's in our house. He's right there with you. No matter what you're going through, he wants you to take your burden and just rest. Ever carry a, maybe you're carrying a heavy load or a couple big suitcases and you're, you're trudging along or a couple big boxes and somebody comes up and says, hey, can I take one of those for you? And uh, they take one of them off your hands and all of a sudden you feel, oh, the relief. Hey, Jim. And, uh, but you feel the relief of that burden being lifted. That's what God is wanting us to do here. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Acts 9.31 says, Then had the churches rest, throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified. Psalm 4, 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Great verse. How do we get to the point where we have rest in the Lord? Just take your burden and just turn it over to him and say, hey, it's yours, God. And don't go back like we often do. Often, I don't have a problem taking a burden and giving it to God. My problem is I start to walk away and I turn back around and say, you know what, I, I, don't, think you can t I, don't, think you, I don't think you can take care of this, God. Let me keep trying to work at it. And I pick it back up and put it back on my shoulder. And then I get tired and weary and I turn around and, hey, God, can you help me with this? I give it to him and I, I feel the rest and relief. And then a few moments later, or a few days later, go back and say, you know what, things still aren't working out the way I thought they were. I better pick that back up and, and take care of that, God. But that's not what he wants us to do. He wants us 
to commit our ways, say, hey, I'm going to follow you in every area, including the heavy burdens, and just let you take it. And the relief and rest that comes will be the joy of knowing that God, he's got it. He's in control. All we have to do is just put our trust in him, commit ourselves to him, and then the rest will come. Let's pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed tonight. Thanks for coming. And uh, do pray for our pastor. He'll be back Sunday. And uh, looking forward to uh, a great Sunday this Sunday. And uh, if you can help tonight, set the auditorium back up. That'd be great. And let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for uh, this passage of Scripture from Psalm 37. I thank you for what we can learn from it. I thank you for... Uh, the fact that we can trust in you, we can give our burdens to you and just turn them over to you and then rest and let you take care of the problem. I thank you for all you've done for us and thank you for your love. In your name I pray, amen. All right, you're dismissed. Have a great night tonight.